My next guest is a Canadian sportscaster for TSN and the host of TSN's Hockey Coverage. He's also a four-time Canadian Screen Award winner, James Duffy. I'm such a massive fan. Can't thank you enough for doing this, James. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the kind words. Oh, anytime. I didn't exactly know, James, what to ask you first, but I want to ask, how have you been over the last year? Oh, that's a big question. Uh, you know, generally, I've been fine. Look, compared to uh, where the world is, we're, we're so lucky. It's probably been too much time stuck at home for me, but uh, that's small, small complaints. My kids are all doing well. My wife's doing well. I'm still working. So uh, I've been doing all right. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's such a shock to the system for all of us, right? It's just so... I remember when it happened last year and we came in and, and did the show the day that the NHL season was canceled. And yeah, I, I think you just you just forget how, you know, sports just encompasses your entire life. And in my case, my, you know, my livelihood and everything else. And when it just stops, you do feel a little bit empty, right? Like uh, this, first of all, you think, well, that wasn't very important, what we're doing, clearly. I mean, I, I kind of knew that anyway, that sports wasn't high on the priority list in the world. But, you know, when when your uh, income and livelihood just sort of uh, disappears like that, it was definitely weird for the first few months. Once we started getting back into the studio, studio in the summer and hockey was back, it became a little more normal. But it's been certainly the weirdest year of my career. The word, I think, of 2020, James, was to pivot um did you find yourself pivoting a little bit in your day-to-day yeah I guess so I mean not in any crazy way um we started doing things from home a lot more like everybody else uh, doing all of our segments from home certainly in those early months and still to this day a lot of the things we do are from home uh like I said I go into the studio for games but um, so I don't think it was the kind of pivot that most people have to, you know, people that were um, laid off and had to find a different job or a company that had to find something completely different to manufacture. I don't think like that, but certainly, you know, our business was a pivot too. It was, it's been difficult for TV, advertisers, all those things. So um, we have to do things on the cheaper. We haven't been traveling nearly as much. I think those are probably the biggest pivots for myself and for broadcasting. I want to ask you, James, how did you get into broadcasting? Did you, did you always know that you wanted to be a broadcaster? I don't really remember. Um, I, I wanted to, I, I, I guess the short answer is no. I wanted to be an athlete uh, like everybody else, I think, when they're, when they're young. And uh, I, I, I was really delusional about, first of all, I was a soccer player. And then I, I became a football player in, in high school. And Vince, I, I think that I, I used to turn down, you know, the TV and, and do play-by-play. So maybe somewhere in the back of my mind, I think we all did that at some point in our lives. Somewhere in the back of my mind was broadcasting. But I never really thought, hey, I want to be a broadcaster. I wanted to be an athlete. And, I was delusional right up until the end of high school where I thought I was somehow going to play for the 49ers as a 5'10", 155-pound defensive back. <laughs> and, and then I guess I had my wake-up call, and, and I thought that the next best thing uh, would, be, would be broadcasting, and that's why I pursued it. 
I want to ask you, James, about your process of being a host, because every time I watch you on television, it just seems so effortless. It seems uh, so natural. And I was, I'm dying to know kind of your process into preparing for a live broadcast. Well, Vince, I'll, I was certainly not always like that. So if that makes you feel better, I don't think I was a, a natural in any way. I think that that comes from just reps of doing it uh, over and over again. If I was to show you my early tapes, which I can't find because we had beta and VHS on that old, uh, I was probably, you know, just a deer in the headlights, nervous and not natural whatsoever. Um, so I think that sort of came with time and probably maybe even years into my career, I don't think I was great at that. In my early years, I was a reporter and so I would just do like a 15 second stand up on camera a day and probably wasn't that comfortable in front of the camera, probably not until I got to TSN and was able to do more when you're hosting a show. It's different from doing a sports cast, it's doing a news report or a sports report. You actually have time to, to show your personality. And I think that probably in, in hosting and having conversations with people and starting to get comfortable in my own skin, that's probably where I, I finally started to relax. It probably took me, you know, maybe till I was in my early thirties till I felt that way. And so it's not, I, I certainly don't pretend to be a natural. I certainly feel comfortable now and uh, probably, hopefully that helps on, on television that I, I do feel relaxed in what I do. Um, I do have perspective. I think that sports is not the most important thing in the world further than what we were talking about earlier. And so that helps me relax, right? Like if I screw up, I used to take it hard early in my career, but if I screw up now, look, it's only a hockey game. Uh, I'll be okay. I'll, I'll get it right the next time. And I think that really helps you. So I, I'm not sure where, where it was in my career that I finally really felt relaxed and comfortable, but it certainly probably wasn't until I got a couple of years into my time at TSN. Ask that change because I just did a podcast episode with another guest and I've been doing this podcasting thing for about a year now. And I've been uh, kind of watching like the first couple episodes to see, well, how far I've far I've come and to right. see if I'm getting better, getting worse. But I, like I said, on a previous uh, podcast episode that I did, I have, I have such a admiration for broadcasters now because it's not as easy as it looks. <laughs> well, you're doing fine here and you oh, seem very natural. And, and one thing I would say is that your generation fits probably has such a massive head start on my generation. Uh, again, I'm just going to sound like the old guy uh, right now, but, you know, we didn't have cell phones that we were talking into on FaceTime or doing TikToks or whatever. And I think for you guys, you get to your age and you've already been on camera a lot, right? Uh, maybe not on speaking to a million people, but you're still on camera, looking into that camera, having a normal conversation with that camera, which is half the battle, frankly, of being on television. Because some people just never feel natural looking into a camera. And so I, I really think that uh, this generation coming up, it's going to be easy for them. When I was, you know, when I started in my career, man, I think my first job, I was 23 years old working CTV News in Ottawa. I'd probably only actually been on a camera a handful of times when I got that job, right? But there weren't cell phones back then. There were the old school video cameras and 
you know, you always felt kind of comfortable when your dad was holding that in front of your face. So I really had to learn on the job. And uh, so, you know, I think people like yourself are way ahead of the game that way. And James, with social media now, and everything's online, everything's digital. I get, when you started, how did you find a way to reach people um, compared to now where so many things are available? I don't know that I had a game plan whatsoever, Vince. I can still remember uh, Bob McKenzie talk, telling me about Twitter. It was the World Juniors in, I think, 2010 in Saskatoon. And Bob was on this thing called Twitter, and he was telling me about it. And he had, you know, 50,000 followers already because it was Bob. And I said, I don't know, what is this thing? I didn't even understand it. And he said, just go on. And I went on and and still had no clue what the heck I was doing. And, uh, you know, it's the same. I, I haven't been late to everything, late to Twitter, late to Instagram. Uh, and I, so I don't really, I'm not really good at it in terms of what you're talking about, trying to reach an audience, having that kind of plan. I don't really, I don't, uh, I don't really, uh, I don't really think about it. I use Instagram usually for family stuff and dog videos. Twitter, I just tweet out my podcasts or, or work, but I could probably use a lesson from someone like yourself about actually how to, you know, market and reach people properly. It's just, I'm really old school that way. I always feel like if people want to see my stuff, they'll find me. And uh, if not, they won't. And uh, I probably suck at these things. Uh, James, you host so many different things. The World Junior Hockey Championships, the CFL Great Cup, Masters, mm -hmm. MLS Cup. Is there a difference hosting these events? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't know if anybody's ever asked me that. I don't, I don't think there really is. I mean, there are differences, of course, right? There's differences in the people that you're dealing with. There's differences in the rhythm and the cadence of the sport. Uh, but in the end, I think as a host, I take my job always the same way. I try to be, besides just being the traffic cop that gets you from A to B and makes, you know, tries to set up what the most important storyline is for whatever game we're watching and tries to keep that as simple as possible. My job is to make the analysts look good. And my job is to ask the questions that I think the viewers at home would want to ask. I think that some hosts make the mistake of wanting to sound smart right and because everybody wants to sound smart on tv and you want to sound like you know a lot but i think as a host there's a lot of times i will ask the question that i already know the answer to because i think that somebody at home might want to know that question so i think that's your job more than whether i'm sitting beside you know bob mckenzie or jeff o'neill in hockey or uh you know jock climey or whoever on cfl or jesse palmer doing the Super Bowl or Christian Jack back in the day doing soccer, whatever it is, my job is to just get as much great information and great stories out of those guys that would be entertaining for the viewer at home. And so I think that part of it doesn't change. I learned from, I'm pretty sure it was Jack Armstrong really when mm -hmm. I started this, the transition to different segments it took a while for me to figure that out i think that's really important with broadcasting just do you mean transition from here to yeah. there sort of thing? yeah yeah i think that uh again as a host 
that's one of your requirements and the few things that you have you better do well right is to take it from you know sometimes you're doing you're changing the tone from let's say you're doing some lighthearted story with your analyst and then you're about to go to an obituary on somebody who passed away you have to think about how, okay how am i going to make this transition and I, I i think it's practice for one um but I think it's thinking and preparation in many ways. Okay, how am I gonna do this? How am I gonna get from here to here to make sense? Or how am I gonna link these two things together? I mean, that's what I do every day in the most mundane stuff, insider trading. You know, they'll tell us beforehand, that's our hockey segment we do. Okay, Dregs is talking about uh, this and Pierre's talking about this and Frank's talking about this. And so in my mind, I have to craft some sort of, okay, what Pierre's talking about, is there a way that I can bridge that to what Dregs is talking about? And, you know, it's basically segues. Half your career is, uh, half your career is doing segues. Um, no, I don't always do them. Sometimes if it's, uh, you know, I'll just, I'll just go abruptly from one thing to the other. But if you can just smoothly transition from something, I think that's one of the, the real jobs of a host. Of course, I totally agree. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you, James, because the NHL trade deadline is coming up. I know as a host, uh, you don't maybe give your opinion on players or teams or whatnot. But do you have a? Are you are you excited about the NHL trade deadline coming up? Excited is a loaded word. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, it I I have mixed feelings about it. Always, uh, it's fun. It's fun to be in there with all the different analysts and who quite often you know, don't get into the studio, the guys like Ray Ferraro and, and Mike Johnson and, you know, Bob McKenzie's back for this. I don't see them that much in person. So that part of it's fun. Uh, but there is some trepidation just because it is a lot, a lot of hours to fill. If nothing happens. And uh, this year in particular, I'm certainly a little more worried than, than more years about no trades, but in the end, I sort of accepted a few years ago, if no trades happen, it's just a bunch of guys talking hockey, right? And, and we can do that all day when you have as many smart hockey guys as I have around me. So uh, I look forward to it by about four or five o'clock. I'm ready for it to be over, but uh, we, we enjoy the day for the most part. As I tell you, James, as a kid, because I was aspiring to be in the sport industry, I was probably in grade, probably right. in high school you know, around that age group, I would like watch the trade trade deadline from like start to finish. Um, <laughs> and, like look at my phone for notifications. And I'm like, now, obviously I'm a bit older, a little bit wiser. A bit we, need, we need, we need guys like you. We need the younger you. <laughs> That's what we need. More viewers that are there from start to finish. Yeah. But I always, I always found it so interesting that, you know, for yourself at TSN, you guys cover such a wide range of topics in those hours within the trade deadline and before you know it it's you know you start at 9 a.m or whatever and it ends up being 5 p.m and you're like where did the day go well i'm glad it went fast for you because it doesn't go fast for me <laughs> it does if there's trades like when you're it's like anything else in life right if you're uh i can remember my first job was at the beer store and when the beer store was busy and humming on a friday night the shift went super fast because you were busy the whole time and when there was nobody in on a Monday afternoon, you just sat there and watched the clock. And trade deadline's no different. If we have lots of deals, you know, trade happens, talk about it for 10 minutes, another trade happens, then it, it goes by quickly. But when you're sitting around filling and filling and filling, it's, it's not so quick of a day. 
Do you have kind of any predictions, James, in terms of player movement? Or are you kind of... I gave up on that. No, it's it's a valid question, but I gave up on it, Vince. I I mean, I do think uh, the Leafs will do something, uh, but whether they will wait for the trade deadline, I'm not so sure. Uh, People were talking about them going after Mikhail Granlund from Nashville, but now Nashville is one of the hottest teams in the league, so that complicates things. The quarantine complicates things. I think Winnipeg will probably get a defenseman, um, at least one. So uh, those are two. But Ottawa will probably, you know, dump a couple guys as they've been doing at the deadline for the last three, four years. So, you know, a bunch of little things will happen, but I don't know where Taylor Hall is going to go. And I don't know if Jack Eichel is going to go. I think that's more of a summer trade if Jack Eichel gets traded. I gave up on trying to predict because I'm wrong more times than not. I'm in the same boat. James, I only I only have a a few more questions left for you. Yeah, but I know you're a big, you're a big golf fan. Uh, you like right. PGA. Do you have any favorite players on the tour right now? It's funny. I I, I didn't think he was my favorite, but um, I realized that Jordan Spieth is my guy, and I realize it because watching him this year, I found myself really cheering for him. Um, and I always liked the guy. I like how much he talks, even though it's probably annoying as hell for his caddy, but I just like a guy who battles adversity like he has for the last couple of years. And I think it would be an amazing story, you know, if he came back and won and maybe even was in contention at the masters. So I, I really like speed. I like Tony fee. Now I hope he wins at some point soon. I like Rory. I hope Rory gets back. I'm, you know, it's a weird tour right now when tiger's not around. Uh, there's a lot of really likable guys out there. I think when I started covering golf, I kind of was on the impression that golfers were, you know, these rich snobby guys, but golfers are for the most part, really good to deal with. Uh, and so there's a lot of guys I really like out there on tour. There's not many, I'll tell you, I, I don't love Patrick Freed. Uh, I'd like a lot of people. So honestly, I like, like for a masters, I just want it to be exciting on Sunday afternoon. I'd love there to be, you know, four or five or six, some of the names that I mentioned all in the hunt. And have something dramatic happen. That's the one thing I think, Vince, that it changes for you. Uh, when you, you know, when I was younger, when I was a massive sports fan, right? I cheered for teams, lived and died with teams. When you get into the business for a long time, I end up, I end up rooting more just for drama and great storylines, particularly when it's on TSN, right? Because you want it to do well for your network. So you want, you want excitement. And you want to you want a close game, and I think that's true. People will accuse you know some broadcasters of being homers, and uh, I'm sure some are. But for the most part, I can tell you the guys on TSN. If we're doing a great cop or something, we just want it to come down to the last couple of minutes. Uh, that's in the end, we just want a good game that comes down to something close. And I think that's the way it is for for most people anyway, at least on the national level. It kind of reminds me now. It's, it's totally a different situation, James. But it reminds me when I was in school, like studying sport management, and everything around me was sport, sport, sport. In terms of business content, learning, learning about that, you know, following mm-hmm. as a sports fan. I, in a while, I, I took a toll on me. I think mentally, because it was like mm-hmm. too much of it, and I had to kind of branch off. So then I started reading a little bit more about other subjects, and it brought right. perspective for me for going kind of back to sport. So I had that experience. No, I think. Yeah, I think that's that's fair. And as you get older, you'll find that, you know, I I had this rule that I had to give up watching one sport for every child I had. 
So, you know, my first child was born and that was the end of college football and then college basketball. And then I had to drop baseball and because uh, it just it just gets harder. And you're not you know, my wife's not a massive sports fan. And I, I love that, actually, because we don't talk about I don't come home from work and talk about the Leafs with her. Right. We talk about other things. I think that's probably one of the reasons we get along so well is that, you know, we have other things in common. I don't think, think that I could be married to someone who just lived and died with the Leafs every night or whatever, right? Because you, when you, when you were so absorbed in that, in your job, you kind of need a break from that when you come home. You mentioned uh, Tiger Woods, James. Do you have a particular thought on, on if he, he'll come back to kind of the old Tiger? I think it's a long shot now. I think he'll come back again because it's Tiger. And I think that Vince, we shouldn't, you know, we shouldn't have those expectations. Like he's had his comeback winning the Masters in 2009. If he just comes back and plays again, I think that's, that's pretty phenomenal thing they've been through to come back and actually win a major again. I don't know. I mean, his legs are fine, but what's the toll on the back? How is his ankle? He's been through a lot now with the surgeries and this accident. So I wouldn't write him off, but I, those are not my expectations. And maybe he doesn't want to. Maybe, it, you know, he's got his Charlie's playing now, and maybe it's enough for him to be a dad. Um, I'd love to see him come back. I think it's always more interesting when he's around. But I'd be, I don't know if I'd be shocked. It is Tiger Woods. But uh, I, I don't, I think our ex, we should temper our expectations. I think if he's, if he's fit enough to come back and play on a PGA Tour event, I think that's pretty cool in itself i agree the last question james i have for you is mm -hmm. maybe a little bit more personal but you've been in the business for a long time and i ask this to a lot of different uh industry professionals i speak with do you have a most memorable experience either in the industry or just as a casual sports fan yeah Sure, I attended in Vancouver and specifically, you know, the Crosby Gold and the Gold Medal game. I was very fortunate, Vince. I was, I got to host those Olympics um, with Lisa Laflamme during the day, and then I'd go down and host the hockey games at night. And I was a real Olympic geek when I was a, uh, when I was a kid. I loved every second of the Olympics and watched it from ten years old, basically. So to be able to cover an Olympics in your home country was a massive thrill, and for it to end the way it did, you know, the perfect dream ending. We were about 30 feet away from where Crosby scored. Uh, that'll be tough to beat. Uh, I mean, there will never be another TV event in this country watched by more people. Uh, I can guarantee that. I don't know, like 25 million people or whatever were watching that. The way that, you know, people don't watch television as much anymore. Uh, you'll, you'll never see anything close to that again, where half the country or two thirds of the country is tuned into their TVs watching one thing. So to be this tiny little part of that was, uh, was really cool. That's awesome. I couldn't imagine just being there live and seeing those games. Yeah, that was uh, awesome. Yeah. The hard part though, I, you know, you're a Canadian, right? So you're excited. You're proud. We were right in the stands, Bob McKenzie and I, and Nick Hiprios was actually working with us and Darren Pang and, you know, everybody's going crazy right around you but you can't go crazy right as a fan as a canadian you want to jump it up and down and throw your beer like everybody else but you're a broadcaster and so you have to not do that and think about what you're going to say uh when they come to you so 
that's the thing that's different. I, I part of me wishes I was just a fan that day and could have sat and, and watched the game and cheered like everybody else. But uh, I was pr- uh, pretty happy to be there covering it. Like I said to you, James, like uh, off the air, like you're, I, I just find you're so great at what you do that I'm glad that you're in the position that you are so many Canadians can can hear your voice. And James, I can't thank you enough for doing this. I, I've had the real honor to interview some you know, bright people within the sport industry, and I'm so honored that uh, you'd even speak to me. So thank you, James, very much. Uh-huh. Hey, I was in your position once too. And so I try to, to not say no to these things as much as possible because uh, uh, I was you once, right? And I uh, hope you're me someday. Uh, if you want to be me, you can be somebody else. I don't know if anybody really wants to be me, but I appreciate all the kind words and uh, uh, thanks so much for watching all these years. Cool. James Southey, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you. Bye-bye. And visit our website, www.sportchat.biz. One more time, www.sportchat.biz. Bye-bye.